many of y'all know we're running out of time? Uh, All you got to do is look at what's happening in our world today and know that our redemption draweth nigh. Amen. But until then, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. We are in a war. We are at battle. Uh, We preached last week about this war, enduring hardness as a good soldier. And between that time and today, we've had a school shooting. We've had a Christian school shooting. We've had people attacking Christians and basically insinuating this Christian's fault that this has taken place. Now, that's not, that's not unusual, and we shouldn't be shocked by that. We should understand that that's going to keep happening, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. In the end, perilous times shall come. Perilous times, and that's where we're at. So, uh, today, I want to stay on that topic. I want to stay in that, that, that frame of mind and preach about this war to be prepared for war. Last week, we learned about it and we understood we are at war. We are at war. There is a war going on between good and evil. And uh, Jesus said in the garden that he will put enmity between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. And from that point on, listen, we have been at war and we need to be prepared for the war. If you are not prepared, you will be destroyed. We have an adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. And if you're not paying attention, he will get you. He will get you. Let's look in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 10. And we'll read from verse 10 to verse 20. If you found your spot, say amen. Amen. Finally, my brethren. So we're talking to save people. We're talking to people who are already saved. Now that's important to know when we go to talk about the armor, uh, what he is meaning by the armor. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the Rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let us pray. Lord, you know, you know what we need to hear. Lord, I've studied the best I know how this week. And Lord, I pray that you'll use, you'll use this word to encourage your people. Lord, you'll use this word to challenge your people, educate your people. I pray for a hedge about this place in this moment. I pray that you'll put a hedge about this place and and render every demon and devil around this place to be rendered uh, 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 unable, incapable of destroying or distracting your people from hearing your word today. I pray for your perfect will to be done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And please, dear Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God will be careful to give you the glory and the praise and the honor. For you are worthy. You're worthy of our praise. God will thank you for all that you've done and will do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. Prepared for war, battle, 
War is difficult. It's been said war is hell. War is tough. It's not easy. It's hard. Paul told Timothy that he would have to endure hardness. It would be painful. It would be tough. And here, Paul is addressing the Ephesian church. And he's using the same terminology. He's using the same wording. uh, Referencing a fight. He told Paul, or excuse me, he told Timothy, he told him to endure hardness as a good soldier. He told him to war a good warfare. He told him to fight a good fight. And so here we have the same terminology. He's looking at, and keep in mind when he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, he is chained to a Roman soldier. So he's very familiar with a Roman soldier. He's very familiar with the, the, the armor that a Roman soldier would wear. And I, I can imagine he's sitting here trying to encourage the church of Ephesus. And, and, and don't forget, don't forget, this is the same church that he warned and said that, that when I depart, there will come ravenous wolves that will not, listen, they will not spare the flock of God. Be careful, be careful. Feed the flock of God. Listen, watch over them. Care for them. This is a war. And now he's writing this letter and he's trying to warn them. He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to edify them and build them up and prepare them for war. And as he sits chained to this Roman soldier, he's probably, I can, I'm just using my imagination here. He's probably just looking over this Roman soldier and seeing he's prepared for war. How can I prepare God's children for war? Not just through what he is seeing with the Roman soldier, but, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is inspiring him what to write and what to do. But the first thing he says, even before he gets to the armor, I want to show you just a few things about this war to help us be prepared for war. All right. I'm seeing way too many Christians fall in the fight and they're getting strung out in the battle. And there's way too many, way too many casualties of war. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Matter of fact, there shouldn't be any casualties of war if we are more than conquerors through him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But that's just not the truth. That's just, listen, that's just not reality. There are very, very many casualties of war. And I don't want none of my people to be casualties of war. I want you to stand in the battle. I want you to resist the devil so he will flee from you. I want you to be more than conquerors. Say amen. And so there's some things you need to know about this fight that we're in. First of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And I'm not going to spend hardly any time on the first point. Uh, but just write this down. I want you to see the energy, the energy that's required for this battle, the energy that's required for this fight, this war that we are in. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the the Lord, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, all I'm going to say about this right here, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This fight that we're in, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your own abilities. You can't do it in your own intellect. You can't do it in your own strength. You say, preacher, I'm mentally tough and I'm mentally strong. I'm very intellectual. I have a high IQ. I I am very strong. Listen, you don't understand. You have no concept about the battle that you're in. You have no concept about how powerful your enemy is and how weak you are compared to the enemy. You cannot do this all by yourself. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes to fight this battle on your own. That's why he said, be strong in the Lord. You can't be strong in yourself. You got to be strong in the Lord. Well, preacher, that's a no brainer. We know that. Yeah, but you're not acting like that. When you don't pray, you're, you're saying I'm strong. When you don't pray and spend time with God, when you don't even pick up your Bible till you come here Sunday morning, you're saying, I got this God. I don't need you. 
That Bible you have in your hand, do you understand that's what sustains you in life? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God and the nourishment and the strength you need to fight the battle is not going to be found in a loaf of bread. It's going to be found in that Bible you have in your hand. And if you're not reading it and you're not praying, you're not going to be strong in the Lord. You cannot neglect the word. You cannot neglect prayer. You cannot neglect worship. You cannot neglect spending time with God's people. Hey, don't forsake. You, you out there paying attention, are you paying attention? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You cannot do that on the couch. I don't care how much you get out of watching me on the couch. It does not work. You need the strength that comes with gathering with his people to be strong in the Lord. We need him. We have to have him. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. So the energy for this war. Number two. Number two, I want you to see the enemy. The enemy. And this is really important. I'm telling you, man, God really spoke to me in this deal. God really spoke to me in this deal. And this may be be the main message for, for us to get especially after this week. Uh, First of all, if if you're taking notes, write this down. When it comes to knowing the enemy, this is amazing that Paul did it this way. But first of all, he said this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, what did he do? The first thing he showed you is who the enemy is not. It's who the enemy is not. And listen, just as, as important as it is to know who the enemy is, it is important to know who the enemy is not. Now, everybody look now. I need everybody paying attention. This is very important. This is very important, especially in the climate that we're in, especially in the political climate that we're in. Uh, listen, what's going on in our nation You need to understand who the enemy is not. The enemy is not Republicans. The enemy is not Democrats. The enemy is not liberals. The enemy is not the homosexuals. The enemy is not the abortion crowd. The enemy is not any of these. The enemy is not your neighbor who disagrees with you. The enemy is not those who are not on the same uh, 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 religious belief system as you. He, before he ever explains and details who the enemy is, first he emphasizes who the enemy ain't. And you say, why is it so important for me to know who the enemy is not? So you don't start fighting the wrong enemy. And I told you this is really important. This is really important for me because I have a tendency to get mad at the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an illustration, biblical illustration. It's right there. It's right there in your notes. But Jesus, Jesus has, has sent messengers through Samaria. He's going to come through and they didn't receive him. They said, we don't want no part of you. They, they rejected him, basically. Well, John and his brother, they come to Jesus and said, shall we call fire down upon them like Elijah? Let's just kill them all. Let's just destroy them all. And Jesus turns and looks at them and said, are you serious? What are you, what are you saying? Look, look, let me show you. The Bible says in Luke 9, 52, and he sent messengers before his face and they went and entered to the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did. But he turned and... Some of us need some rebuking this morning. 
He said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are. Uh Uh-oh. You don't even realize the spirit is motivating your, your words right now. For the Son of Man has not come to men's lives, but to save them. But to save them. You know that one you was angry at this week? Jesus came to save him. Her. I I read an article this week about a judge who cast out or whatever they do or denied the, the, the bill that Tennessee... Tennessee came up with a bill to ban... Uh, uh, drag shows, drag queen shows in front of children, which is should to me is a no brainer. I mean, I can't even understand why you'd have to have a bill for that. But this judge cast it out, or or whatever you do, and I'm gonna tell you what I can feel it. The more I read this article, the matter I got. And I'm James and John in my office ready. I'm asking God to bring fire down into that courthouse and consume him right in front of everybody. How stupid is he? And God had to remind me I died for him too. He is not the enemy. We wrestle not against Some of us better get that. One of the greatest tools of the devil is to get us to fight the wrong enemy. Amen. Who the enemy is not. It is not flesh and blood. Well, preacher, do you see what they're doing? Yeah, I see what they're doing. I do. And I'm with you. I don't like it. I don't like it. It disgusts me. Well, how are we supposed to look at them? 2 Corinthians 4 tells us. 2 Corinthians 4, 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are. Now, here's what the Bible says about the lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded. You see, that judge in Tennessee is blind. Blind. As much as, now everybody look at me now, and don't go out and say something I didn't say. Because it's recorded. I'm not responsible, I'm not responsible for what you hear, I'm responsible for what I say. As much as I want to hate that confused, deranged woman that killed them babies, She's blind. She's been deceived. She's been duped. And she's been played by the arch deceiver. And if she is flesh and blood, then she's not my enemy. She has been someone who has been deceived and been manipulated and been used. By my enemy. Amen. B. Who is the enemy? We see in verse. Verse number 12. Paul tells us first. Who the enemy is not. Then he says. Let me tell you who the enemy is. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Man, that's a very, that's a very packed statement right there. Against spiritual wickedness in high places, talking about heavenly places. So here's what I want you to see. First of all, the enemy is structured. The enemy is structured. Principalities. The word principalities means there's rankings. 
There's rankings. It's just like the military. It, there's not just, everybody's not on the same rank or same plane in the military. They are organized. There, is, there are privates. There are captains. There are sergeants. There are lieutenants. Give me some more, Willie G. Give me uh, uh, colonels. Colonels, generals, admiral. Are y'all with me? There's different rankings. And what Paul is teaching us here is that, that your enemy is very structured. It, we, we, we are so naive if we think that they're just demons floating around doing their own thing. They are being commanded. They are being organized. They are, are y'all with me? He said our enemy is structured. Our enemy is organized. Our enemies got it together. They are being led. They are being directed. They're structured. Where our enemy, we fight against principalities, against powers. The word power means force. It means strength. Our enemy is not only structured, our enemy is strong. They are strong. I, 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 I was in my office studying and, and something brought to mind a, a, a really very ignorant, ignorant, foolish song that was very, it was popular. You know, we got the devil in the phone booth dial 911. That's the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. That, make, that is so naive and that is so foolish to think that you have the ability to put the devil in the phone booth to dial 911. He is a formidable foe. He has gotten the strongest man ever to live, Samson, to fall. He's got the man closest to God's own heart, David, to fall. He's got the first man ever to live, Adam, to fall. He's got the wisest man ever to live, Solomon, to fall. Don't think that you're going to put him in a phone booth. There are string, strength, strong forces out there that you can't even imagine how powerful they are. We fight against principalities, that's structure, rankings, against powers, that is a force, a power. Again, now watch this, this is really important. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Man, that stood out to me. When I was reading that and reading that and reading that, everything that you, what you saw this week was the darkness of this world. That shooting was the darkness of this world. Those, those court appointments was the darkness of this world. The, the, the abortion crowd and, and what they're doing, that's the darkness of this world. The LGBTQ uh, agenda and movement is the darkness of this world. Homes being destroyed and divorces and, and manglings and murders and rapes, that's the darkness of this world. All this that you see that's anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christ. Listen, when, when you saw people posting and making comments, they were, they were basically saying that, that, that she did what she did in that shooting because of what Christians have. In other words, turned it against Christians. And what is that? That's the darkness of this world. How could any sane human being think it's okay for a man to dress up like a woman and do a sexualized dance in front of children? That's the darkness of this world. And according to Paul, this darkness is being orchestrated by a very strategic, structured enemy. You got to understand that. The flesh and blood that's involved in the darkness, they are just puppets being played by the master puppeteer, the God of this world who hath blinded their mind. It's a demonic force, a demonic horde. This proves it in the next one. The rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual, say that with me. Say it with me. Spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies in high places now i'm going to explain this and you're going to have to just sit here and listen to me a minute your enemy is not what you can see everybody look at me i know this is heavy for a sunday morning but we got to get this the enemy is not what you can see what you can see is the results of the enemy. 
I can see the darkness of this world, but I can't see the hands that are manipulating it. Because it's not the flesh and blood. It's the one behind it influencing and motivating and inside the flesh and blood. Are y'all with me? It's spiritual. Our enemy is spiritual. Our enemy is what we can't see. You see, a long time ago, Satan rebelled against God and he drew a third of the angels to follow him. We learn about this in Revelation 12. There appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon. The red dragon is Satan. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. In Revelation 1.20, we learn that the stars are angels. And Satan brought out a third now, I personally believe, I personally believe there's three named archangels. There's three named archangels in the Bible. Michael, Lucifer, and Gabriel. Michael was the god of war. Lucifer was the god of worship. And uh, 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 Gabriel is the, 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 the messenger angel who takes the, the word, if you will, to whoever God sends it to. And I think... I personally believe that that each of those archangels were responsible for a third of the angels. Lucifer had a third, Gabriel had a third, and Michael had a third. Well, the third that Lucifer led, he brought, he took them with him in his fall. Look what it says. Revelation 12, 7. There was war in heaven. There was war in heaven in the realm that you can't see. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, and deceiveth the whole He was cast, watch where he was cast out. He was cast out into the and his were cast out with him. Those angels are now demons. We are fighting an archangel and his demons. Let me tell you how formidable this is. In Daniel chapter number 10, we learned that Daniel is praying for an answer from God. God sends an angel to, to answer his prayer, but he was, he was detained Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, 21 days, it took 21 days for this angel to get to Daniel because of the fighting of the demons. From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. But the prince or the, the, I believe that is the demon The demon of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days, but lo, Michael, that's the archangel, the war angel, one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you, there is a fight going on right now that you cannot see. There is a battle between demons and angels that you cannot see wickedness in high places, wickedness in between our realm on earth and the third heaven where God resides, there is a fight happening. And we need to understand it's spiritual. If our, if our enemy is spiritual, you're not going to defeat it with the physical. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, whom the... Come on now. Whom the... He's the God of this world. We're talking about Satan. Watch what, it, watch what, watch what happens in Matthew 4, 8. And, or excuse me, again, the, the devil. The devil, Diablos, the slanderer. Taketh him, talking about Jesus, taking him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him. Watch what he shows him. This is amazing. 
The devil shows Jesus how many? How many? All the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Now watch what he says. He saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Did, did, you, did you notice that Jesus never rebuked him? Jesus never said, oh, you can't do that. You know why? Because he's the God of this world. Do you understand? Everybody look at me now. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I know you don't like to hear this, but we need to hear this. All the kingdoms of this world, we would call it now nations, are in his control. All of them. He's playing them like puppets. And he's getting this world ready for his Antichrist. Everything is moving toward, everything is going toward a one world monetary system, a one world government, a one world religion, and Satan is behind it all because he's the God. Now, now don't, don't, don't misunderstand the fact that he can only do what God allows him to do. But he's the one pulling the strings. There's no Democrat, there's no Republican anywhere in, in politics that, are, that is in charge. There is one in charge and his name is Satan. He is the enemy. He is the ruler of the darkness of this world. He is manipulating, he is maniacal, he is working it all out for his ultimate plan. But ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. His plan is going to fail. But you need to know who your enemy is. It's spiritual. Listen, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, watch this now. This even proves even more. This even proves even more that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Ephesians 2, 2, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the what? Who's the prince? The devil, Satan. The, watch this now. Everybody look. It's important. The spirit that now worketh what? In. No, slow down, slow down. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that... The darkness of this world is being orchestrated by the children of disobedience who are filled and influenced by the God of this world. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, number three. Wherefore? Because we know our, our battle is spiritual. Because we know our enemy is not flesh and blood. Because we know... We are fighting demonic forces that are beyond our strength. They are beyond our ability. They are bloodthirsty. They are hateful. And that the Bible says a thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's agenda is to steal from you, kill you, destroy you, everything about you and your family. So what do we do? We put on the whole armor. The whole armor. Paul says that you may be able to withstand the wiles. W-I-L-E-S. Wiles is the word for deception. The trickery. The trickery. The deception. The lies. You see, Satan's tools are lies. Yea, hath God said. That's what he said to Eve. Well, God said we ain't supposed to mess with that one. Oh, he just knows that you're going to be like God's. He's lying. These people who are duped and they're leading this darkness of this world, they've been lied to. They bought into a lie and they believe a lie. The reason you're here is because you believe the truth and now you're trying to learn the truth. 
The church is the pillar and ground of truth. The reason we come every week to hear God's word is because we need to know what truth is because you can't find it on TV. You can't find it in the newspaper. You can't find it on the news. There's so much fake news. Listen, it's not just gotten this way. Thy word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the, and the life. We need to know what's true. So here's what, here's what I did. I'm going to be honest with you. I've heard about the armor of God all my life. And I've never really, I don't want to say I've never really understood it, but it's never been really practical. And so I prayed hard. I'm telling you guys, I prayed hard. I, I probably spent more hours in studying this than I have in a long time. And I said, God, I need this to be practical. I need you to help me understand this in such a way that it's, it's easy to understand. It's got to be practical. And so I took the words, I took the words, not necessarily the, the different equipment like helmet, breastplate, shoes, and, 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 and shield. and all. I took the words that he used and what he, he is using the armor that he's looking at on this soldier he's chained to, to be able to give you a truth. And so he looks at the girdle first, the, the, the belt that holds everything together, and he starts there. And I believe he starts there because that's what holds everything else together. And he says this, I want you to be girt about with truth. And the word girt means to cinch up, to secure Tightly. And so this is the word I want you to use for here. Here's the practical word. Discipline. Discipline. No loose ends. And everybody stay with me because I'm, I'm running out of time. So I need, I need to go through this quick. Please stay with me here. If you've ever seen a Roman, a Roman outfit, you'll find out that it's almost like a, 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 a skirt or a, a, a tunic, if you will. And it was kind of flowy. But when you went into battle... You couldn't have no loose ends because you'd get tripped up. You need to be able to move easily and move fast. So they would take up, they would take up that tunic and they would tighten it in the belt. They would secure it. Say it with me. They would. So there's no loose ends. And man, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit telling me we need to tighten up. We need to be disciplined. There's too many Christians that are living loosely. They're playing around with fire. They're living loosely at work. They're living loosely at home. They talk loosely and they talk of things they shouldn't. They make jokes about stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Loosely, we're not disciplined. We're, 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 we're loose with our, our, our standards and, and we're loose with what we watch on TV. We're loose at the things we talk about and we discuss. We're, we're no, 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 no. We've got to get serious about this thing. We've got to get serious about holiness. We've got to get serious about godliness and tighten up. We need to be disciplined. We need to secure. We need to have no loose ends. How do we do that? By truth. By truth, we go to the truth and we are living by the truth. We believe the truth. We stand on the truth. Are y'all with me? This world says that, that, that truth is relative. Truth is whatever you want it to be. They are so loose. It doesn't matter what they are, what you want to believe. Everything goes, not the Christian. The Christian lives by the truth. The Christian studies the word of God, rightly divides it to know the truth so we can live it and believe it and stand on it. Listen, cinch it up. It's discipline. Look at your neighbor and say, tighten up. How many of y'all ever had a parent tell you that? I have. I've had my father, boy, you better tighten up. You know what he's saying? You better, you better discipline. So we see the truth. Gird yourself. Tighten up. Discipline. Gird your loins with truth. Then watch this. <clears throat> look at the next one. Let me look at the verse. What verse are we in? Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. 
the breastplate of righteousness. Now we know this is not imputed righteousness. Because he's talking to save people. He's talking to save people. So you, you, if you're saved, you already have the righteousness of Christ imputed to your account. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about right living. Right living. Look here. Here's what I want you to write down. What is the armor that, 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 that covers your vitals? It's a clear conscience. Write it down. What is that? What is that breastplate of righteousness that, that covers and protects your vital organs? It is a clear conscience. When you go out to fight this demonic horde and you go out and fight the battle, the fight, the good fight, the greatest thing you can have on your side is a clear conscience. When you have a clear conscience, you can stand. When you have a clear conscience, you're not running. When you have a clear conscience, you're not afraid. When you have a clear conscience, you're not always looking around. What's the first thing most people do when they see blue lights? You know why? You ain't got no clear conscience. Hello? The Bible says... That the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You've been playing around and messing around. You've been living loosely. You claim to be saved. You claim to possess Christ in you. And you're dibble dabbling. Listen, you're, you're dancing around. You're on both sides of the fence. You don't have a clear conscience. No wonder you're falling all the time. No wonder Satan has beaten the devil out of you, pardon the pun, because you don't have a clear conscience. When you have a clear conscience, I, I use this illustration. When your report card is good, you don't mind coming home. Hello. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Right deeds, right living. Listen, a clear conscience is great for the battle. Not only do we see the breastplate of righteousness, but your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love this. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, what is the, what does this mean? The gospel, the word gospel means good news. The good news of peace, it says. Now, what is the good, now we're talking to who? Who are we talking to? Save people. So he's not saying I want you to believe the gospel to get saved. That's not what he's saying. He's talking to save people. Now the shoes, stay in mind what it is. The shoes are for footing. Roman soldiers would wear hobnails in their shoes, basically like modern day cleats. So they would have a good foundation because if their feet were slipping and sliding, they would get destroyed in the battle. So you need to have a good, firm footing. And what he is saying here, this peace, this good news of peace is that you are right with God. What does it say? We have peace. Watch this. Let me give you the verse. So, you know, I ain't making this up. Look what it says. Romans 5, 1, Romans 5, 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we say it with me. We have peace with say it with me. We have, you know, what's so great when you're in the fight with the devil and the devil's coming at you and accusing you and slandering you and making you try to feel guilty for you to know that I'm at peace with God for you to know that because I'm saved, I have an assurance with God that he is on my side and everything is all right between me and the Lord. I have peace. Peace with God. I not only have the peace of God, I'm at peace with God. We're no longer enemies. We're no longer, listen, on the outs. We are together and I have assurance. Say amen. Some of you, listen, you struggle so much. You've been saved. You've been born again. 
But yet the devil keeps bringing up your past. He keeps reminding you about that failure. He keeps reminding you about what you did wrong. You need to stand up. Listen, bow up and show up and speak up and say, devil, I have peace with God. He has forgiven me of all my sins. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to bow up and speak up the word of God to him and say, I have assurance with God. Quit cowering down. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit getting in the mully grubs. Quit saying, I just, I just can't forgive myself. Dry it up. You've been forgiven. You don't have to forgive yourself. You're not the boss anymore. The one who matters has forgiven you and purged your conscience from dead works that you may serve a living God. Tell the devil to go back to hell where it came from. You have assurance. Your feet are on solid ground. Amen. Sorry about that. Tired of Christians getting beat up. And they're wilting in the fight because the devil's used something in their past. And the reason you're not winning is because you don't know you've been truly, permanently, completely, thoroughly forgiven. Let me tell you why you don't know that. Because the last time you picked up your Bible was last Sunday. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. When me and my brother did stupid things and got hurt. Yeah. We'd come to my father bloody. Do you think he ever said, oh. No. No, this is what he said. Well, boys, if you're going to be stupid, you're going to have to be tough. Now, some of us need that tough love. If you're going to leave your Bible on the shelf and never read it, quit belly aching and whining and complaining about what the devil's doing to you. It's your fault. Amen. Let's, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Listen. Listen. The breastplate of righteousness, that clear conscience. Your feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. I have assurance. I have a strong footing. I'm assured of my standing with God. Above all, taking the shield of faith. This is not, this is not saving faith. This is living faith. When those fiery darts, and I'm not going to go into detail because we just don't have time. But when those arrows that are coming after you or at you in, in your life, those struggles, those scary things. He's saying you got to trust me. So I want you to write the word trust. So far we have discipline, clear conscience, assurance in your standing with God, and trust that everything's going to be okay. You got to trust him. When there seems to be no way, you've got to trust that He is the way. When everything is falling apart around you, you've got to trust that He's got a plan. When you have the Red Sea in front of you and Pharaoh's army behind you, you've got to trust Him. Moses said, be still and know that I am God. We live by faith. Watch what it says in 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our What is the victory? Your confidence in God. Your confidence in God. E. We see hope. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, we already said we're already talking to what? Save people. So he's not saying get saved so you can be ready for the battle. 
Salvation has some components to it. Lord, we are so out of time. Salvation has some components to it. When I got saved, I was saved from the penalty of sin. I will never be penalized for sin ever because Jesus took my penalty on the cross. So I am completely forever saved from the penalty of sin. I was saved from the power of sin. It cannot force me. It does not have power over me anymore. It can influence, but it can't force. The moment I got saved, God cut the chains. And I cannot be forced to sin anymore like the children of disobedience. Are y'all with me? I've been saved from the penalty of sin. I've been saved from the power of sin. But one day, and this is what the helmet of salvation is about. It's about anticipation. One day, I'm going to be saved from the presence of sin. You see, Peter says, we have a hope. And this is what this, this helmet of salvation is talking about. We have a hope. Verse Peter 3, 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively, come on, unto a lively by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an, what am I hoping for? An inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. The helmet protects your mind. One of the things you need to know in the midst of battle, when you're getting bloody, is one day this fight's going to be over. And we're on the winning side. And all that Paul had ever been through, he said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be. What's going to keep you swinging that sword knowing that this world is not my home? I'm just passing through. What's going to keep your head above water when you see the darkness of this world getting darker and darker and darker around you? Knowing that one day the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. Somebody say amen. That's that helmet of salvation. That helmet of salvation is hope. It's the hope of a better day. It's a hope of a better tomorrow. It's the hope that one day we have a future home waiting on us.